0: You join me this morning in the book of Jude, the book of Jude, a very small book just before the book of Revelation. Jude, verses 1 and 2, we shall read this morning. Jude, beginning at verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue the journey in understanding the impartation and the importance and the explicit insight and impact of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk this morning from this small letter that is somewhat obscure in many religious circles, and yet it houses a great deal of spiritual truth and insight when we come to understand how and who the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer. So I want to wrestle with the subject this morning, never seen him, but I felt him. Never seen him, but I felt him. The basics of academic comprehension informs that the illumination, the lighting in this room, and the utilization of the electronics in terms of instruments are both empowered by a power source that is often only experienced and not personally seen. Whether we decide to call it electricity, or whether we call it power, or whether we call it juice, or whether we call it current, or whether we call it energy, we might all agree that it is a source that we not only have come to rely upon to make life more comfortable, but we might also argue that it's difficult to live life without it. Remember, although we may have never seen electricity with our own eyes, each of us have to testify that we really have only felt the effect of its presence in each of our lives. Remember, I've never seen electricity, but I know the effects of electricity. I know that if I touch certain currencies that's been marked dangerous, I've never seen electricity, but I can feel the effects if I touch in the wrong place. I know that I can witness the illumination of the lighting in this room and the usage of that which is powered by electricity. Never seen electricity, but I'm affected by the lighting in the room and the exhortation by the instruments only because I've never seen it but I know the effect of its presence. Although in Acts chapter 1 verse 26 through chapter 2 verse 2 it tells us that eleven men had gathered together in one place and suddenly there came a noise from heaven like a violent rushing wind and it filled the house and the wind left the effects, as Luke says, of cloven tongues or fire in their mouth. But he says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They felt the Spirit. They experienced the Spirit. They witnessed the presence of the Spirit, but they never actually saw the Spirit with their own eyes. They only experienced the presence enough that when each man left the room, he knew for himself who the Holy Spirit was, but had never physically seen the Holy Spirit himself. It's in this small printed text that we call Jude, a small letter, just 25 verses, postcard, might be best described but yet we can witness the example of the power of the Holy Spirit and his participation in the life of the believer as we move through the pages and the words of this text nowhere nowhere in this text is there mention of the Holy Spirit directly nowhere And yet instead the Holy Spirit himself uses the essence of God which is the love of God and highlights it as the cord that binds each of us together in the family of God as one. So much so that the writer makes clear to us that it is the binding cord where the love of God and the love for God's word and the power of God's spirit is the essence of who God is, although we've never seen God ourselves. And yet, we can testify, we've experienced the effect of knowing who God is in a very personal and intimate way. And yet, Jude begins this letter, in unusual salutation, and yet in the typical form that a historical letter would often be provided, in protocol And format. An ancient letter typically begins with the identification of the sender, the identification of the recipient, and then some form of a greeting, sometime in only one word. Instead, Jude expands the format and modifies each section in the greeting. Listen to what he says. In verse 1, he identifies himself as Jude, we know who that is, and he even has the nerve to modify what he says in that simple presentation alone. Maybe he is arguing that you can learn a lot about a man by listening to the way that he talks about himself. Maybe he's suggesting to us that I I want to tell you who I am, but I want you to hear the revelation that I've I've ascertained about myself so that when you read my postcard, you're not left with any doubt of whether or not I know not only who God is, but who God is through the person of his Holy Spirit. So he says I identify myself as Jude and then he identifies his recipients in the same text in verse 1 those who are called or those who have been selected by God and given that brief description he helps us understand what the letter is really all about. Verse 3 I'm writing to you that we might understand that we have a common walk in our salvation. In other words, Jude says, just because I might be recognized as a leveled servant in the kingdom of God, my walk is no different than your walk. I'm working out this thing every day, says Jew, just like everybody else. In other words, just like you're tried by the fire and you find life to be very difficult at times and you have questions that you don't quite understand and you're asking God and might I add I've asked God as well and haven't got an answer back yet and I'm still asking questions that I've asked several years ago. Jude said I'm just like you I'm trying to understand about our common salvation and we are working it out but I'm writing to encourage you That you don't throw in the towel because it looks like God's not hearing what you're saying and what your concern is. He says, I want you to understand that although it seems like we don't know this, yet I want you to know just like you, I've never seen him, but I felt him for myself. Jude writes, not as a private person, but as a representative. Listen to verse 1. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Not as a private person, but a representative of Christ. And writing to a people, likewise, as I said previously, who knew who Jesus was and then rather than to do as Paul does in writing his salutations and his greetings he would say one word Paul greetings he would say either greetings or grace to you and mercy instead Jude turns his entire greeting into a wish list by way of prayer he changes it by saying that I'm not going to say greetings unto you Instead, he says, I'm writing to those who are beloved by God and kept for the purpose of Jesus Christ. I want you, said Jew, to understand that my list in prayer is that you employ the benefits of knowing who Jesus is. He says, in the last line, of verse 1 and 2 he says I'm writing to those who are kept for Jesus but I'm praying that mercy and peace and love be multiplied unto you I'm asking you he said to employ the blessing of knowing who Jesus is and here's what he's saying I'm saying to you, don't allow your prayer life to go dormant because the answer hasn't came in the time frame that you so desire. Instead, remember, while God has yet delayed the answer, the answer is not yet denied, but in the meantime, he keeps providing grace that sustains you when you think that you might lose your mind, and yet it's grace That keeps you above water. He keeps providing mercy. In the midst of waiting on God. Sometimes we go awry. And start doing our own thing. And yet he says. God gives us the mercy. To restore us. When we get out of the will of God again. And then he says. My prayer is. That you employ the benefit. Of being a servant of God. Because I'm praying that God multiply each of it unto you. Not only employ it, but enjoy the blessing of being a child of God, of knowing who Jesus is. Each time, says Jude, God provides power to overcome. God provides enough power for each of us each day to overcome what we felt the previous day was impossible to proceed on doing. And yet, says Jude, he keeps on providing everything we need, so enjoy, says Jude, the blessing of knowing Jesus. And if that's not enough, he says, expand, expand the business Of knowing Jesus. In other words, he says, I'm writing to some people that I hope have enough God in them to testify to others that he may not, he just may not come when you want him. But amazingly, he manages to always show up on time. Jude says that that should ring within itself a joy in you where because God has been such an enjoyment and the employment of knowing that I'm blessed of God, that in return wants me to expand the business of God by telling somebody else about the goodness of God. So it's a reflection of what we find in John 4 when she witnessed Jesus' presence. And his diagnosis of her situation, she left the presence of God saying, Come see a man who told me all about my problems. She is arguing as well as Jew that if you know him, there is not a hesitancy in your spirit to tell somebody else, I, I, I know somebody who, who just might be able in fact, I, I don't think he just can. I know he, he's able to fix that context that you're in. But who is Jude? Who, who is Jude in this obscured writing that is best known, being buried just before the end of the New Testament? Who is this guy, Jude? Well, it's interesting to note that his name, Jude, is a translation of the Old Testament name Judah, which is further translation in the New Testament, Judas. So he is Jude, translation out of Judah, praise, and translation out of Judas, in which if you read your Bible, you'll know that in the New Testament, we have four different Judases recognized in the text. There is Judas Iscariot that everybody pretty much knows as the betrayer of Jesus, but then there is Judas the Galilean who happens to be a very infamous revolutionary in Acts chapter five, but then there is Judas the son of James, the disciple as recorded in Luke chapter six, and then there is Judas called Barcibus who is an early Christian prophet noted in Acts chapter 15. But notice what Jude says. He says, I'm not only a servant of Jesus Christ, but I'm the brother of James. Now, you might not find that significant now, but it's important to know it's amazing that he doesn't tell his recipients, I'm not only the brother of James, but I'm also the brother of Jesus. Amazingly, he doesn't make reference to that all at all, although we know from the text based on Mark chapter 6 verse 3 and Galatians chapter 1 verse 19 that this is the same Judas or Jude who is the brother, half brother of Jesus. We know likewise that he did not believe in his brother who was sent to be the Savior of the world. Read John chapter 7 verse 5 and it tells you that he had no belief in Jesus at all in terms of being the Savior of the world. And yet this same Jude is writing to us and doesn't identify himself as the brother of Jesus but the brother of of James, Two thoughts that might follow why he did that. One thought is that Jude might be suggesting that when you know who Jesus is, you don't have to always broadcast it to people. They are able to see it in you, and they are able to witness that the spirit of the living God is alive through you. He may be further trying to impart unto us the words of Jesus. Remember what Jesus says as recorded by Matthew 5. Let your light so shine so that men and women can see your good works and glorify your father. In other words, you don't have to say anything about that you know me. Your life will reflect the idea that you know who I am. Or secondly, Jude might be suggesting that I want everybody to know that I wasn't a follower of Jesus when he was alive. I didn't believe in anything that Jesus had to say. In fact, uh, pre-resurrection, I had no interest in who Jesus was, just like others. We all thought that he was a religious quack. But interestingly, something happened after or maybe through the resurrection that changed who Jude was? Could he have been saying to us that seeing the power of Jesus post-resurrection in those disciples did something to the life of Jude that made him realize the words of Jesus, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. There was no benefit to Jude in saying so much about he being the brother of Jesus. Why? Because I think, again, he's emphasizing better a life lived than a life that's talked about in reference to Jesus. But yet, he doesn't quite ignore his connection to Jesus. He says, Jude, look at verse 1, opening line, A bondservant of Jesus Christ. This is powerful because Jude says, I'm a servant of Christ. He says, pre-crucifixion, I saw him, but I didn't know who he was. Post-resurrection, he says, I know who he is, but I've never seen him. Yeah, you got to listen to me closely, you'll get it. Pre-resurrection, I saw him, but I didn't know who he was. But post-resurrection, I know who he is, but I've never seen him. Translation, he might say, pre-resurrection, I saw him move in the lives of many, in fact, even in my own, but I didn't recognize who he was. But post-resurrection as who he was I never seen him after resurrection but I know who he is because something on the inside assures me that he lives on the inside of me he lives because of the reality of his own promise if I go back I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send in return my presence that will live in you and reside in you and will lead you and will guide you into all truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying I will come back not in the physical form that you saw me before, but in a different form That lives on the inside of you but he calls himself a servant of Jesus he says my servanthood is inspired by my identity with who Christ is now now, here's what I want you to notice he uses the word servant but it's not the word diakonos that we are familiar with in Acts chapter 6 so when Acts Chapter six, they began looking for seven men full of the spirit who could take care of the job of feeding or waiting on the tables or ministering to the congregation, permitting the apostles to concentrate on prayer and the study of the word. But that's not the word. It's not diakonos. It's not the French term chantel. Which comes out of the idea of it being a suppressed and oppressed individual who has been transitioned from being human to being somebody's property like we find in America's slavery of the African. That's not the word either instead it's the same word that Paul uses that James borrows as well it's the word that Paul uses in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 and Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 it's the word do laws." he says i'm a bond servant we translate it slave but it's not slavery in the sense that we've known he says i'm a bond servant which means i have volunteered to give my life to the service of who Christ is because of what Christ has done for me. Now, he's my brother, but when it comes to my salvation, he's not my brother, he's my savior. But I've committed my life to serving him because servanthood is inspired by the identity that I make myself with knowing. And I know him as a personal savior. That's the reason why when you come to the trying moment of your life, you just can't abandon who you are in Christ because if you know him, you know at some way, some point, sometimes, God's going to come through and God's going to open the door and God's going to lift you and God's going to strengthen you, but you've got to trust in the identity that I have in who Christ is. But Jude says, I'm a servant. Because I am inspired by the one to whom I have bestowed honor. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I volunteered to serve him because of the purpose of the master. The master came with a purpose and that purpose was to bring me life and to provide it for me more abundantly. Not just the purpose but the power Of the master. The master has so much power. That he may not be right here where I am. But I can call him. And wherever God is. Because God is omniscient. And I'm not present. Everywhere at the same time. He can be over there working. Here working at the same time. I serve him. Because he got that kind of power. Not just his purpose and his power, but the provision that the master gives. Jude says, I serve him because he provides all that I need. He doesn't leave me hungry. He doesn't leave me thirsty. He doesn't leave me aspiring or desiring because of a lack that he hasn't provided. So I'm willing to serve Him." But he says also I'm willing to serve him because of the persuasions of who Christ is. So when I would go to the left, there's something about him that persuades me to go to the right. And when I would go to the right, there is a persuasion of God to go to the left. Or as he instructs Joshua to stay in the middle of the road until I lead you in either direction. Not just persuasion. I serve him, says Jude, because of the peace that he provides. That's exciting news because Jude says in a climate that is marked by turmoil, is there any place where I can find some peace? If Jude were a modern Christian like you and I in 2017, he would ask the question, could I ever go beyond the television every time I turn around and there is something negative about something dangerous or something evil happening? Is there any place where I can find some good news? And Jude says, in Jesus, I find good news because I know the storm may be brewing out there. But in his arms, I am saved from the storm. But Jude says, I give him allegiance and I serve him because I am, look again at verse 1, beloved by God. What could he possibly mean by that? He says that whenever I have a glimpse of thinking that I'm not worthy in terms of being able to progress, I need only to go back for us to Genesis 1 and remember whose image I am created in. See, Jude says, if you remember your identity, your identity is a reflection of the image. And God says, let us make man in our own image, created he, male and female. And when I find the need to reassure myself of who I am, I just need to go back and remember who I am in the God of my salvation. I am the beloved of God because I'm created in God's image. But not just that, says Jews, I am not only the beloved of God, but I am called by God. There it is in verse 1. He says those who are called by God. He might be reflecting upon Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1, where the prophet says that I know who God is because God says Israel your creator who formed you, you don't have any reason to have fear, but instead know that I have redeemed you and I have called you by name and you are mine. And there's something assuring about somebody who knows my name. And he says, God knows my name he called me but then finally Jude says I gave myself to Jesus because I'm kept by him first John 5 and 18 says that God through his son Christ and the power of the Spirit will keep you from evil here's what he's saying there are times when I would go right Or I would go left, I would go away from the will of God knowingly and that temptation would summon me back to something that I know that I've been delivered from. And it's the Holy Spirit through my identity of knowing who Christ is on the the inside of me that enables me to be kept by the hand of God. He said, I'm kept by God's spirit. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 and 12 that whatever I give or Paul's language, whatever I commit to him, he is faithful to keep it. In other words, says Jude, whenever my old man rises back up and tries to draw me back into the life before I have to remind myself that I've given all that stuff over to the Lord, and his grace keeps me. Keeps me from falling. Keeps me from going astray. Keeps me from making bad decisions. Keeps me from denying who he is. He says that I'm serving him because God in his fullness Keeps me, I'm beloved, I'm preserved by God. God places a hedge around me and preserves me. Or Jude might be arguing, there are times, and we'll pick up later as he tells us, there are times when demonic angels launch their attacks against me and i'm not even aware of where this is coming from he keeps me he protects me he places a hedge all around me and reassures me when i'm kept by the greatest who can keep jude said i'm a bond servant of jesus christ and i'm a brother Of James and why would he mention James James eventually becomes one of the chief leaders in the church read Acts chapter 15 he is eventually beheaded by Herod but he is a chief apostolic voice in the church he says I don't mind paying second fiddle to my big brother because no matter where he is on the hierarchy and where I am we both are serving the same Savior And when we get to glory, there is no up or no down. We're all on the same level playing field. I'm a brother of James to those who are called, beloved of God, and kept by Jesus Christ. May mercy, may peace, be multiplied unto you. And Jude says, I may not have never seen him. And and, and, and in all honesty, post-resurrection, I haven't. But in modern 21st century Christianity, you ain't never seen him. You ain't never seen him. You may want to argue that in your imagination, you may have seen figures of who he is. But I tell you one thing I cannot refute. You may have felt him. You may have felt the fire burning on the inside of you. You may have felt those moments when you were like dry bones in a valley and yet the wind of God through his spirit started moving in your radical dry valley and yet you felt something started to happen on the inside of you and you felt power coming through to reinvigorate your life. You may not have seen him, but you felt him. You may have came into this upper room with a great deal of burden on your shoulders one day. You didn't see them in the atmosphere. Oh, but you felt something moving in an awedness in the spirit. And something caused you to experience that mighty rushing wind. And Jude said, that makes you become a servant. But it makes me shout because peace and mercy... Is being multiplied unto me. I, I'm gonna close this because y'all like y'all don't know what's going on. So let me close it like this. I'm gonna close it where Jude says, uh, you, "You you might think j- just because you haven't seen him that it means that you don't know him, but when he talks about the word multiplication." Jude says in inferring that what you ought to do every now and then is just sit down and sort of rewind the tape of life and think about how much peace and mercy and grace that God has multiplied over your year's journey. We're not talking about life. We're just talking about this year alone. Just Jude said just, just think about from January 1 how he kept you through January and, and sort of watched over you in the, in the coldness of the year and then got you to February when you thought that the lights were going to be turned out and yet here you are fast forward to November and they're still burning they're still al- but we ain't talking about March What he did for you in March or April or May or how in June you went off on a summer vacation and did some stuff don't nobody know about but you and God and yet mercy and peace. Or what about the trauma of August? when you just certainly did not expect your life to do a topsy-turvy and peace seemed to be nowhere to be found. And yet, he multiplied peace on an ongoing basis. Jude said, my prayer is that God multiplies his peace and his mercy to each of you. Because he said, I'm shouting all, I had not even got through the third verse of this letter yet. And I'm shouting already because I know how much mercy and peace he's given unto me. So Jude said, I just want to introduce y'all to where I'm going because this, listen, we ain't got but 25 verses. But it ain't going to take us long to see how the Holy Ghost is going to work through our 25 verses of settling and knowing who Christ is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Never seen him. But I felt him. And and maybe, maybe, oh shoot, maybe I'm the only one. I felt him this morning about four thirty. 4.30 I started to roll over to the left to get out of the bed and um, felt like it had been paralyzed for the last nine years and everything just felt stiff and you keep living your this, and you had to sit on the side of the bed just for about 10 minutes to sort of let the blood run back through like it used to through the course of the day and sort of get your legs sort of stretched out and the calf muscles so it won't pull and the Charlie horse and the quadriceps, and the, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So you won't, get, gotta wait a while. That's, that's God waking me up in the morning to remind me. I, I'm still among the living. I'm not in an obituary, but I'm still in a praise mode because I got some peace and I got some mercy. I may have laid down last night and forgot to say, Lord, forgive me for the wrong I've done. And yet he let me wake up this morning. I got some peace and I got some mercy. May it be multiplied unto you, says Jude, all through the day. Because you know, I'm, I'm still a candidate for death. Yeah, I could walk out of here and walk up to the study. Next thing you know, I am yesterday's news. But if I get a chance to come back tomorrow, that means I've got some mercy and some peace one more time to say, Lord, I thank you. But i never seen him. But I feel him. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. Old folks say something got a hold of me and it got all over me. But that's, that's what he does. In fact, you don't, you, you don't want to see him no way. Yeah, Moses said, I want to see you, Lord. And God said, man, if I let you see me, I can't let you live. Yeah, go back and read Exodus. He said, man, if I let you see me, you couldn't live. One, want to know why? Man, my glory is so radiant. You couldn't even stand to live. So, so here's what I do for you every day. I, I'm just going to let you get a glimpse of my backside. Listen, that was so potent that when Moses came down out of the smoking Mountain, he had to have a veil to cover his face. That's just seeing the back of God. And here we are on a Sunday morning, acting like we don't know what it means to be alive and well. Here's my closing word, Hear hear me clearly. You can't get better if you hold on to bitterness. See Jude is writing We're going to find out later to a group of people who got some bitterness. They are angry. They are angry at the environment. They are angry at the government. They're angry at everybody. And Jude is saying, listen to me. Jude said, you can't get better in life if you hold on to bitterness because bitterness will rob you of your betterment kill it says Jew and rejoice that's why he said I'm praying may mercy and peace be multiplied to you let it go says Jew kill it because if you don't kill it it'll kill you I've never seen him but I felt him Lord in the name of Jesus May your-